Are you looking for a podcast that your whole family can enjoy that asks the deep philosophical questions like, do trees fart? If you are, then you'll love Tumble, a science podcast for kids. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Join us as we explore stories of science discovery, from butts to animals, dinosaurs, astronomy, and everything in between. You'll love these stories, and you'll learn something new. Find and follow Tumble Science Podcast for Kids wherever you get your podcasts, or at sciencepodcastforkids.com. Soundsington Media! It's the middle of the night. Dead silent, except for the soft sounds that fill a building during the small hours. A faint echoing in the vents. A whisper of footsteps on the linoleum, resounding from earlier in the day when the restaurant was a cacophony of customers. The rustling of an animal in the alley out back. And your own heartbeat. Your own heavy breathing as you watch grainy security cameras, hand ready to throw the switch at any time. You wait. You are almost out of power. You can wait just a little longer, right? A breath. A moment. And then, just when you let your guard down, bam, a figure appears in the doorway and it is too late. A scream, and you're done. You already know who it is, who has been stalking you throughout the night. Freddy Fazbear, the animatronic from the runaway hit game, Five Nights at Freddy's. Whether you're a devotee of the games or have never heard of them, we'll head into the depths of Freddy Fazbear's Pizza to figure out just what makes this creepy game tick and why so many of us are obsessed with it. I'm Elise Parisian, and this is Unspookable. I've played Five Nights at Freddy's, but I haven't played in a few years. I have not personally played Five Nights at Freddy's, but I've definitely heard a lot about it and wanted to play it. But I always got way too scared because it's a horror game. When you're playing Five Nights at Freddy's, you get a job working there and then you have to watch the animatronics at night to make sure that they don't try to pull anything silly. And then... um, I mean, you can watch them on cameras to see what they do, but you have to make sure they don't get to you before you can stop them. And it takes place in just a normal pizzeria with these crazy animatronics that are trying to get you, which ties to Chuck E. Cheese, which freaks me out and just makes me not want to play because I still want to enjoy places like that. I think that Five Nights at Freddy's is scary if you're younger, but as I got older, I realized it was just all jump scares and they're really predictable if you're like aware of what you're doing if you've never played five nights at freddy's here's a crash course the game was created by scott cawthorn who released the first installment in august of 2014 the premise sounds simple at first you are mike schmidt 
the nighttime security guard at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza Restaurant, charged with the task of watching the animatronic mascot, Freddy Fazbear and his pals, Bonnie the Bunny, Chicka the Chicken, and Foxy the Pirate, who, yes, also happens to look like a fox, albeit a fox with a hook and an eye patch. These animatronics are allowed to become mobile at night because their servo motors lock up if they are left off for too long. But these animatronics are not just hanging around for family entertainment. If one of them encounters a human after hours, it will mistake them for an animatronic endoskeleton without a costume and stuff them into a spare mechanical Freddy Fazbear suit, maybe destroying them in the process. This restaurant lore is revealed through a series of messages from another employee known as Phone Guy, who tells of some terrible encounters between the animatronics and humans, like the infamous Bite of 87, where an animatronic bit all the way into someone's brain, resulting in the policy that the mascots are not allowed to be wandering during business hours. As you try to last the night, learning more about what you're up against, you have a few tools that are meant to help you make it to 6 a.m., when your shift ends. From the security office, you can watch the grainy cameras and control security doors and lights to prevent the animatronics from getting you. But each time you activate any of these tools, your power depletes. Activate them too much, and you will run out of ways to prevent Freddy and friends from sneaking up on you. And if they do, well, you get the jump scare of your life and it's game over. Unless you are deep into the backstory already, it may surprise you to learn that the element of the game that tends to creep a lot of people out is the whole vibe of the animatronics. Before you even learn about their penchant for evil, they just look kind of unsettling. The game creator actually got the idea for Five Nights from another game he created that was sort of a flop and wasn't meant to be scary at all. The game was called Chipper and Sons Lumber Company, where you play as a humanoid beaver who has construction and management tasks to complete. Players complained about the animatronic appearance of the characters, with some going as far as to call them nightmarish and like something out of a horror film. And that's when the idea for Five Nights at Freddy's started to come to life. But What exactly do people find so terrifying about animatronics like Freddy Fazbear? As long as we don't get jump scared, we'll be right back to tell you after this. Hey, it's Nate, the creator and producer of Unspookable here, to introduce our younger listeners and their grown-ups to What If World, a podcast I know you're going to love. Each week, Mr. Eric takes a what-if question from a kid and spins it into a story for everyone. Give this trailer a listen, and then go subscribe to What If World, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm casting a spell on you, so you'll listen to Mr. Eric's podcast, What If World. He turns your kids' questions into stories. Questions like, what if a pirate and a ninja got along? Or what if a fairy turned into a giant? What If World is improvised stories for kids, with real lessons behind them. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. You're right, thought you were just a giant. Well, I got better. Okay. 
Have you ever been in a restaurant like the fictional one in the Five Nights at Freddy's game? One of the most well-known might be Chuck E. Cheese's, formerly called Chuck E. Cheese's Pizza Time Theater because of its animatronic shows. First opening in the United States in 1977, Chuck E. Cheese's was one of the first restaurants to use animatronics with a family-friendly show and restaurant concept, serving pizza while characters performed, including Krusty the Cat, Mr. Munch, Pasquale the Singing Chef, Jasper T. Jowls, the Warblets, and, of course, the humanoid rat Chuck E. Cheese. Theme parks like Disney World have also famously incorporated animatronic characters and animals since their development in the early 1930s, with the debut of Sparko, a robot dog who performed at the 1939 New York World's Fair. It all sounds innocent enough, right? But just like with Cawthorn's game Chipper and Sons, innocence is in the eye of the beholder. Since their origins, Many people have found animatronics to be unsettling, sinister, and downright horrible. Chuck E. Cheese has had plenty of complaints over its decades of doing business from parents whose children couldn't set foot in the restaurant. Their kids were terrified. So as soon as an animatronic has the potential for violence, like Freddy and Friends, well, it's not too hard to understand why Five Nights at Freddy's is as scary as it is appealing. The animatronics, like those in the game, are a type of mechatronic puppet, or modern automaton, a relatively self-operating machine designed to follow a series of operations or predetermined instructions. Early automatons did things like pop out of clocks at set times or walk in circles to entertain kids. As we've talked about on Unspookable before, automatons, robots, puppets, and dolls can all fall into a category of humanoid object that might prompt an uncanny valley response. The uncanny valley is a theory about why things that are close to human, but not quite human, give us humans an unsettled feeling. It suggests that there is a particular type of creepiness, like that hair raised on the back of your neck sort of feeling, when something is almost human, but not quite. When you take human qualities, like walking bipedally or up on two legs, and mix them with automatonic qualities, like having visible mechanical body parts, and then on top of that, you add animal qualities, like fox ears or a bear muzzle, and voila, you have a recipe for a very specific kind of spooky that makes Five Nights so addicting. Beyond the appearance of the characters, which lives somewhere in the scary because it's vaguely human realm, you also have a specific variety of horror that happens when you are given just enough information to then allow your imagination to run wild combined with the adrenaline rush of a jump scare. On Unspookable, we often talk about how human fear relates to the power of the human imagination. As one of the most neurologically complex creatures on Earth, we have the power to imagine all sorts of things. So naturally, 
some of those things are kind of scary. One of the clever things about Five Nights at Freddy's is that it doesn't have to show you anything particularly gory to scare you. Instead, it builds up sinister suspense to get you to fill in a more complex picture with your own imagination. In the launch trailer for one of the spin-off games, Freddy Fazbear says, With the Fazbear Funtime service, you'll never be alone again. In a certain context, perhaps a perfectly friendly statement. But combined with the lore of the games, it's definitely more of a threat. It leads you to imagine Freddy around every corner, waiting for you, even when you think you're alone. And that loneliness, the feeling of waiting to see what the animatronics will do next as you sit through the night in the security office, that is the perfect circumstance to get you to create all kinds of scenarios in your head about what Freddy or the rest of the mascots would do if they got their paws or hook onto you. Would they really try to stuff you into a suit? Would they take a bite out of your brain? Or would it, could it, be even worse than that? Building tension without giving too much away makes the game more exciting and keeps you on the edge of your seat so that if that jump scare does come, the rush you get from it will keep you coming back for more, no matter how terrified you are. But what about the real-life context of the game? What about the rumors about the game's creator? We'll take a look behind the scenes when we return. Most animatronics I've seen are like online or in real life, just like Chuck E. Cheese. And nothing was scary about them then. But then when you're thinking about it in terms of like the game, they're terrifying. And I've seen animatronics at places like Chuck E. Cheese and in some horror movies too. I don't remember what it was called, but there was, um, it was called Hug Me. And it was a horror film, horror short film about a panda animatronic. And it was creepy. So that's another thing that I've seen an animatronic in, just in a bunch of other horror stories and videos and movies. I'm not scared of animatronics myself, but I think that a lot of people could be scared because it's standing up like it's a human and doing like human things like singing and dancing but it's an animal and a robot picture this you develop a franchise that has a whole series of games infinite varieties of merch a huge fan base that creates spin-offs and all kinds of content not to mention countless pages and comment threads the rights have been optioned for a movie pretty much every way you could measure pop culture success you've achieved but then you get doxxed. That is, all your personal information gets released online, including your home address, and people start threatening you. This is what happened to Five Nights at Freddy's creator, Scott Cawthorn, in 2021. After finding out that Cawthorn gave money to certain politicians, people that were harmed by those politicians' beliefs were angry that Cawthorn supported them. They called for a boycott of the games and of Cawthorn himself leading him to retire from the industry soon after. At Unspookable, we talk a lot about different types of fear. 
There's the fear that makes you jump, like you might when you're playing Five Nights at Freddy's. But there's also the lingering, hard-to-describe fear that happens between people when they don't trust each other. When you feel a very immediate threat, like seeing a venomous snake about to strike your ankle, we could liken that to a boiling pot type of fear. But when suspicion builds in little ways over time, that's more like a simmering fear. Either way, the pot still gets hot. When we don't trust each other, that type of fear sometimes leads us to want to hurt someone before they can hurt us, or to want to punish someone when we find out they aren't who we wanted them to be. Whether or not you agree with what Scott Cawthorn did, do you think he deserves to be threatened? When someone creates something, a song, a movie, a video game, or anything, is it possible for them to be everything their fans want them to be? To not ever do anything people disagree with? And if disagreements happen, do famous people owe their fans explanations? These are tough questions. It can be devastating to be let down by someone whose creative vision you looked up to. But that doesn't mean that everyone is going to feel the same way about what happened. And it also doesn't mean that harm should be ignored just because someone famous was a part of it. So what do we do? What should we think? That is something each of us have to figure out for ourselves. All we can hope is that our thoughts and actions are guided by care and curiosity, rather than by mistrust and fear. So what about the state of Freddy and Company? An expansion game comes out summer 2023, and Halloween 2023 will see the release of the film in theaters and on a streaming service. If you can't get enough of your favorite animatronics, it's safe to say you can see them again soon. That is, if they don't see you first. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Eleanor Riley Condit, produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewen. Special thanks this week to our guests Blythe and Bella. If you enjoy the show, make sure to tell your friends. You can leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice, or share an episode on social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Unspookable on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us for a peek behind the scenes and for updates on the show. Unspookable is a production of Soundsington Media, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.